Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth <clears throat> Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of this precious word to our hearts. Well, this series has already uh, taken off in a, in a direction that I had not quite anticipated. Um, <clears throat> in our very first evening, I intended to give an overview of this chapter and then immediately go to some other passages in the scriptures uh, that are uh, important in dealing with the issue of womanhood. But uh, as I broke up this paragraph into what I think are the, the three basic uh, subdivisions uh, the, that a virtuous woman is priceless because of what she is, uh, that a virtuous woman is priceless because of what she does, and that a, uh, a virtuous woman is priceless because of whom she serves. Uh, I have found myself uh, each week as I, I get before the Lord praying and seeking His face, not able to move off of the first point yet. And uh, so we come to our fifth message it's entitled, Her Price is Far Above Rubies, which is the fourth message with this particular title. And it's because we continue to stay on this issue of her character first. <clears throat> uh, I won't review all of the things that we've looked at thus far. There's a great deal to cover this evening. And uh, I trust that uh, 
if uh, you find a need to review, that you will simply get a hold of the tapes and go back and listen to those earlier messages. But we want to come back to this issue that a, a, a virtuous woman is priceless because of what she is. And we have been looking at the character of the virtuous woman. Women, as well as men, are created in the image of God. And, as I have pointed out, this is of crucial importance. And this is all the review that we will do this evening. Number one, because they are created in God's image, they have a distinctive role in the eternal purpose of God, and therefore in all of history. Secondly, because they are created in the image of God, they, along with men, are able to communicate with God in a way that the rest of creation cannot. Thirdly, because women are created in God's image, they are able to reflect His character and will. And fourthly, because women are created in the image of God, they are able to represent Him. They can do, uh, excuse me, they can and do function as God's representatives within the realms that God has ordained. Throughout Scripture, we see women in numerous roles. Wives, mothers, daughters, sisters, prophetesses, wise persons, teachers, and even one woman, Deborah, a judge. Now, in light uh, of these influential and highly important roles, women have the potential for doing enormous good. And last week we took a very brief survey of some of the women that reflect the glories of God in the realms in which the Lord put them. We looked at Deborah, Hannah, Abigail, Jael, Rahab, Esther, Tabitha, Priscilla, and Mary. And we saw that in each one, uh, and again, none of this was exhaustive, but uh, we, we took various uh, and glorious characteristics of God that they reflected in the things that they said and did. Now, this evening we want to uh, do that in uh, uh, a mirror image, so to speak, or a flip side of the coin, and we want to consider uh, women as the Scripture described them when they are evil. We looked at good last week. We will look at evil women this uh, week. Again, just a very brief look at, at uh, a handful of women that I have selected. Uh, this may or may not be the best uh, grouping of, of women to look at, but I think they are memorable characters that most of us remember or know as evil in Scripture. And we want to see in their realms, the enormous influence that they had and their reflection of their father, the devil. The good gifts of God and the things that are the image of God twisted and perverted to bring evil instead of good. The character of women is vital. And I repeat, because... They can and do function as God's representatives within the realm that God has ordained. 
they have the potential for doing enormous good, but because women are fallen, sinful creatures, their unique gifts and their influence at every level of society and history also provides them with enormous potential for evil. And I trust that we will see that this evening. As we have already observed, God's Word uses women as the symbols of great good, the bride of Christ, and of horrendous evil, the great whore of Babylon. So with that in mind, we want to take up a brief survey of evil women, women who are not virtuous. And we want to see that as we observed last week, women who are virtuous, those who trust the Lord, can do wonderful good reflecting His glories. So those who do not can work great wickedness and do great harm. So the first we want to consider is Lot's wife. Lot's wife. Lot's wife was destroyed by God as she looked back toward Sodom. Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. If you care to turn there. Now, I think most of us here are familiar with the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. We will not take the time in our survey to read that whole story. But we do want to consider some of the very important passages that bear on our subject, or important verses that uh, bear on our subject this evening. First, we want to look at verse 26, where it says, But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Here we see tragic judgment brought upon this woman. Now, she isn't mentioned much in the passage. We don't have a great deal of detail about her. And yet, she is so important as to be used by the Lord Jesus Himself as an example of wickedness to be avoided. Verse 13 An angel brings a word from God. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, this is verse 17, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Now God is pouring out signal grace upon Lot and his entire family. Lot is a righteous man. He's a very weak man in many ways. 
And yet the scriptures declare him to be a righteous man by faith. What a great tragedy that this righteous man is coupled with a woman who becomes the symbol of evil. The Lord is pouring out mercy and grace upon his family. Lot has tried to warn his sons-in-law. They think that he's someone that's just joking, that he's one that, that mocked when he said, look, God's going to destroy this place. The angel warns them, we're going to annihilate this wicked city. Now, get up and leave. Lot even hesitates, and they take him by the hand, but they also take his wife by the hand and his daughters. Grace, mercy from the Lord, kindness, and draws them out of the city, literally. Then it says, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Command from the angel, which is the word of God. Neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew up uh, grew upon the ground. But, and then follows one of the tragic verses of the Old Testament. His wife looked back from behind him. And she became a pillar of salt. Now there are many things that we could say. But we want to pick just a few. First, as Satan deceived Eve to disobey the clear word of God, so Lot's wife fell into the same sin. In the light of God's mercy and grace, she was still tempted and succumbed to that temptation to cast off the Word of God. Ladies, you will face many temptations in your walk with the Lord and in your sojourn with your husbands, your children, your parents, many around you. And you will find yourself often in situations that will tempt you to cast off the Word of God. Where does that come from? Well, first and foremost, it comes from your flesh. You are a fallen creature. But going past that, it also comes from the temptation of the wicked one. Satan himself had cast off the Word of God. I will be like God. I will be as the Most High. I'm not going to be told what to do. I'm going to be the one that tells people what to do. And how did he draw the human race into sin? By seducing the woman to cast off 
the Word of God. And Eve's daughters show themselves to be stained with that sin. We see it here in Lot's wife. Don't look back. Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat. The Word of God. In this, she displays her kinship to Eve. Her husband had been given the Word of God. Her husband lived in the mercy of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, which if obeyed would have preserved her life. If Eve had obeyed, what a different situation. And if Lot's wife had obeyed, she would not have been destroyed. In the very face of God's mercy, she cast off the Word of God. Secondly, she revealed her love for Sodom and her covetousness for her worldly things. God's Word says of Eve, she saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Satan's seductive lie provoked a sensuous, now there's a difference between sensuous and sensual, they are similar, but sensuous means having to do with the senses. Sensual can mean the senses, but usually points to fleshly sexual lusts. Whereas sensuous points to being drawn by the senses. And Satan's lie provoked a sensuous Self-centered desire for her things that drove her to cast off the Word of God. As J.C. Ryle powerfully writes in his book Holiness, quote, Notwithstanding all her opportunities and means of grace, Notwithstanding all her special warnings and messages from heaven, she lived and died graceless, godless, impenitent, and unbelieving. The eyes of her understanding were never opened. Her conscience was never really aroused and quickened. Her will was never really brought into a state of obedience to God. Her affections were never really set on things above. The form of religion which she had was kept up for fashion's sake and not from feeling. And their feeling doesn't mean 
just uh, our normal way of using the word, just having a feeling. But he's talking about being engaged from the heart and soul. It was a cloak worn for the sake of pleasing her company, but not from the sense of its value. She did as others did around her in Lot's house. She conformed to her husband's ways. She, had, uh, she made no opposition to his religion. She allowed herself to be passively towed along in his wake. But all this time, her heart was wrong in the sight of God. The world was in her heart. And her heart was in the world. In this state she lived. And in this state she died. Women have a sense of beauty a sense of decoration, a sense for making the home in many ways, from the furniture that they, that they purchase to the things that they hang on the wall and the, 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 uh, the colors that they would like to see there, all of these various things. This is all good. God has made women with this. But when not governed by the Word of God, it is an avenue by which the enemy can draw women away from the Word of God. I was uh, amazed and overwhelmed at a letter that I recently received from a woman who had read uh, the Free Grace Broadcaster on idolatry. And she wrote to say, Thank you for sending this magazine. Because I realized that I was an idolater. She said, we've been building a house. Is there anything wrong with building a house? No. She said, but I would sit in the congregation on Sundays and instead of hearing the Word of God, I was sitting and thinking about what color paint needed to be in the living room and what color paint needed to be in this room all of the things that we needed to do and to take care of this week and that week. And she said, I praise the Lord that I've been set free to worship Him and to hear His Word. Brethren and dear sisters, the enemy is subtle. His craftiness is infamous. We're told about it there in Genesis 3. And he drew the woman with a sensuous lie. He went after the man by going after the woman. And he did the same thing with Lot's wife. She was having trouble leaving her stuff, leaving Thing. You say, how do you know that? Because the Lord Jesus Christ told us so. The Lord Jesus pinpointed her soul-destroying covetousness. Luke chapter 17, verse 31, when He's speaking in the context of the incredible day of judgment and the return of the Lord Jesus, Christ says, in that day, He which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house. Let him not come down to take it away 
and he that is in the field of him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. What is he telling us? That even though her body was outside the city, her heart was still there. This is, does this mean that decorating the home is wrong? Of course not. It's just like eating is not wrong, but gluttony is sin. And we can take any good and right thing and any good gift of God and make it sinful. It can become idolatry. It is vital that we guard it carefully. And sisters, here it is. Eve was drawn by a sensuous desire. It was a tree to be desired. To make one wise, it looked pretty. It was nice. And the enemy drew her heart away from the Word of God. Lot's wife. Lot's wife is truly the daughter of Eve in this. Well, let's move from Lot's wife to Potiphar's wife. She falsely accused Joseph of rape when he refused her advances. Genesis chapter 39. And in verse 7 it says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. Verse 11 says, And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. The mercy of God, he didn't just kill him right then. Again, there's much in the passage. But as Satan deceived Eve into disobeying the Lord by what appealed to her senses, so Potiphar's wife reflected that she was indeed Eve's daughter. She attempted to seduce Joseph by a sensual appeal. 
Satan was subtle in the garden. We're told that he was crafty and more subtle than any of the, the, the beasts that the Lord had made. So Potiphar's wife craftily waited. She set up the scenario. She waited for exactly the right moment. Instead of using her God-given gifts of wisdom, To do right and good things, she craftily waited for the right moment. And then when she didn't get what she wanted, she brilliantly, holding on to that, that cloak, said, I'll fix him. He won't have me. I'll fix him. And she used her mind to fabricate a story. It is amazing the Lord's mercy in sparing Joseph. But in her subtlety and her craftiness, she shows and unfortunately glorifies the wickedness of her father, the devil. The Lord Jesus Christ said to the religious leaders of his day, You are of your Father, and you'll do His will. And oh, they tried to make God their Father and Abraham their Father. The Lord Jesus Christ nailed it down. Your Father is the devil. And you will do what your Father wants you to do. He was a liar from the beginning. And here we see the liar manifested in this woman. Thirdly, she deceived her husband with this lie. As the Lord said in John 8:44, when he, meaning Satan, speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. <clears throat> Fourthly, as Satan used Eve to draw Adam into sin, so he did with Potiphar's wife. And this is a sad and tragic play worked out all through Scripture where a woman is used to draw her man into wickedness. Here, he of course takes his wife's side. We don't see that he asked any questions. We don't see that he made any investigation. We don't see that he said, well now wait a minute, this is a serious charge Sweetheart, I have no reason to doubt you, but before I do what's the, the, the passion of my heart that's building up in me, we better find out all the facts about this. There simply wasn't any question. Why? Because of the influence that she had on her husband. She said, look what he did to me. And he said, where is he? And he put him in jail. Well, let's look at a, a name familiar probably to people that are not even Christians. Delilah. Delilah was a Philistine woman, it appears. It isn't really clear whether she was a Philistine woman or whether she ultimately was a Jewess. But either way, 
it would appear that in her willingness to go along with the Philistines, uh, she certainly sowed a uh, what appears to be a, a partiality towards them. It's likely that she was a Philistine. But in Judges chapter 16, we have this tragic story. Samson was an utter weakling when it came to women. He was the strongest man that we see set forth in Israel's early ages, a mighty, powerful hero. And yet, he was utterly weak when it came to women. Verse 4 of Judges 16 says, And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the Lord's of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him. Entice him. Draw him. Be crafty. Be deceitful. Use your charms and your powers to get this. Now, why in the world do you think that they said that? Why did they say that to this woman? Because unfortunately, throughout the history of mankind, women have shown an amazing ability to, to have an effect on men by using their charms. You say, oh, oh, you're being a chauvinist oinker when you say things like that. But then all I can say is, read the first seven chapters of Proverbs. And what does the father Warn his son about over and over and over and over again. The seductive power of women. The influential power of women over men who, instead of guiding a woman according to the Word of God, follow the woman instead of the Word of God. It's not all poor men. It's their fault. Nonetheless, ladies, it is clear, and I think every woman in here knows that you have influence over men. And the tragic part about it is that unless you guard by the Word of God and the power of His Spirit, you'll fall into the same sin of attempting to get your way, of attempting to find out what you want to find out or, or do what you want to do by using that influence you have with men. Some women find that out from the time they're little girls. Others find out a little bit later. But it is clearly laid out through all of Scripture. Entice him. Do we not see the garden? Does this not take us back to Adam and Eve? Do we not see a daughter of Eve in Delilah? And do we not see her reflecting the craftiness of Satan? Entice him and find out his great, where his great strength lieth. And by what means we may prevail against him. That we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give thee every one of us eleven hundred pieces of silver. And Delilah said, I have some integrity here. 
who do you think you are that you could come to someone like me and just assume that I can be bought? I wish it said that. It doesn't say that. It says, And Delilah said to Samson, in an extraordinary passage, brethren, there's no break. It goes from the bribe to her opening her mouth in seduction. And she immediately begins the enticement. Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. She begins to use her charms and her influence to get what she wants. Now, I wish that I could tell you, brethren and sisters, that only utterly vile, wicked women do that. But I've had counseling sessions where professing Christian women confessed that they constantly manipulated their husbands and used them and enticed them to get their way. It happens all the time. We're not reflecting the Spirit of God. We're not reflecting the influence and the power for good in this. Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, knowing that for him to answer is his destruction. What do we see in this passage? Well, number one, as Satan seduced Eve, into disobeying the Lord by what appealed to her senses. So Delilah used her influence on Samson to seduce him to his own destruction. She is not reflecting the glories of God, but the, the wickedness of the enemy of her own soul. Secondly, as Satan deceived Eve, so Delilah deceived Samson. If you really loved me, you wouldn't play this silly game with me anymore. You would tell me what it is. And she vexed him until he told her. And brethren, that still works on men. Women can vex their souls until they say, yes, we'll do it. And at that moment, they utterly capitulate their manhood and their leadership as she reflects the enemy of their souls, not the God of heaven and earth. Sisters, you have an extraordinary influence in your home. You have a place in your husband's heart that no one on the planet has. Or that's the way it ought to be. And you can use that influence for good. Or you can succumb to Eve in the flesh. By, I mean, Delilah uh, in the flesh. By wearing him down until he finally says, Okay. These things are very practical. Well, let's consider the witch at Endor, or the witch of Endor. She was a medium who brought up Samuel's spirit from the dead. 
1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 7. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath familiar that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. Now, of course, there are witches and warlocks, male and female traffickers in demons. However, when was the last time you rode down the interstate or down a particular street and you saw a sign out, uh, Brother Frank, spiritual advisor? I've never seen one. Now, I know there's got to be one like that out there. But Sister Eve, Sister Deborah, Sister whoever, spiritual advisor, I've seen those signs since I was a child. Everywhere! Why? Because once again, it's the same ploy. Ye shall be as gods. Satan seduced Eve with a sensuous desire for power. Satan used knowledge as the bait for deceiving Eve. God knows that in the day that you eat this fruit, you're going to be like Him. The only reason He has any power over you is because you don't know who you really are. The minute you take a bite of that fruit you will be able to cast off His chains. Because you'll find out you'll be as God. Knowing good and evil, you'll know what He knows. And when she saw, and she desired, He used the idea of hidden knowledge to seduce her. You can dial a but You can call them up. Now, they have television shows now, as I understand. And you can find out what's going to happen tomorrow. You can find out what kind of business deal you ought to make. And while there are a few men out there, the vast majority of them are women. They're simply reflecting. They've been stained by the same sin. And in that... They become the daughters of Eve and they reflect themselves and their father Satan. When I was in high school, I don't remember any of the guys ever coming to me with, and saying, did you read your horoscope today? I can't tell you how many girls would say, are you a Cancer? Are you a Libra? I didn't know any guys that played with Ouija boards. It was my, my cousin, a, a girl, that loved it and introduced me to the Ouija board. Do men dabble in occultism? Of course they do. But there is a weakness to know very often that drives women to this particular sin. They just want to know there's a curiosity. Lots of gossip sessions get started because of that desire to know. We just want to know. We want that knowledge that no one else has. 
as Satan brought in every false religion and every false god through Eve, we see women under the dominion of false religion throughout the Scriptures. Eve opened the door to Sister Eve by casting off the Word of God and believing the lie of the serpent. And it is amazing how very often we've been introduced to these very concepts through the influence and the power of a woman. A couple of decades ago, Shirley MacLaine, famous actress, known all over the world, wrote several books and introduced an entirely new generation to the doctrines of devils. Out on a limb. It was made by our wonderful source of wholesome family entertainment, Hollywood, into a series of television specials. And we, we had the very wonderful picture of Shirley MacLaine standing on the beach with her hands spread out, chanting, I am God. I am God. I am God. At least in a switch for what we're talking about tonight, she was introduced to these things by a man. If that makes anybody feel any better. But who became the voice piece? who used her fame, and who still is the prophetess of the new age. Sister Shirley. Well, how about Jezebel? When we're looking for names for our daughters, we never consider Jezebel, do we? Not one of us. We might consider all kinds of even unusual names, but I don't know anybody that's named their daughter Jezebel. Why? Because it has become the very symbol of wickedness. Jezebel, wicked and bloody Baal-worshipping wife of Ahab, she exerted a monstrous, horrifying influence over her husband, the king, and through that, over the life of the northern kingdom of Israel. As 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 30-33 through 33 says, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal, and worshipped him. He cast off the Word of God as his influential wife eased him into the worship of a false god. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Well, we don't have to study the passages about Jezebel very long. 
to recognize that as Satan deceived Eve with a lust for power, so Jezebel lusted for power. Again, as Satan brought in every false religion and every false god in his deception of Eve, so we see this incarnate in Jezebel. She wasn't going to be satisfied just to go into the middle of the palace and have her own little shrine. She wanted the whole nation to bow to her God and her spineless husband, instead of worshiping the Most High, said, yes, dear, how about a grove over here? Is it big enough? Would you like for me to make it a little bigger? She not only despised the living God, but she tried to exterminate the prophets of God. First Kings chapter 18, verse 4 says, For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them by bread and water. She didn't just want to influence her husband. She didn't want to just influence the nation. She wanted, as one writer says, Baal worldview. Everybody was to worship Baal. And she did everything she could to exterminate God's prophets just so that that would happen. And her wickedness we could go on for uh, about a great deal. But even as with Eve, Satan used a wife to reach the husband. Over and over, brethren, we see this. Why? Is it because men simply have no power and that women actually are stronger than men? Well, we can wade in the feminist water all night long if we wanted to, but it's, it's plain and simple. I say it again. No one holds a place in the heart of a husband like a wife. And that place can be used for good as we've seen in the virtuous women that we studied last week, or it can be used for hideous evil, as we see here. 1 Kings 21, verse 25 says, But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. Adam followed his wife into sin. Abraham followed Sarah into sin. And Solomon followed his wives into sin. One of the most tragic verses in all of Scripture. 1 Kings eleven four. Jesus Christ Himself said that there was none wiser than Solomon. And yet the Word of God declares, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. Well, let me run quickly over these last few sketches. We're out of time. But there is Athaliah, the wife of King Jehoram of Judah, the cruel daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. She was Judah's only queen. And what did she do? She instituted a blood purge to obtain the throne of Judah. Second Chronicles 22.10, But when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, 
saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal of the house of Judah. She proved herself to be Jezebel's daughter, didn't she? She learned a little something about extermination from her wicked mother. It is tragic when we see mothers influence their daughters for evil instead of pointing them to that which is good. Because, ladies, as we've been reading now for weeks, you can and you do represent God. And God has put you in realms of power and of authority and of incredible influence. We've read of women here that changed the entire course of nations. For wickedness. The seed of Athaliah's lust for power was sown in Eve when she believed the lie, ye shall be as gods. And we see it worked out over and over. Her bloodthirstiness surely reflects Satan's murderous spirit. The Lord said, The lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. We see her reflecting the wickedness of her father. Herodias, the cruel queen who demanded and received the head of John the Baptist. She was furious with John because he had the nerve to do what? To bring forth the Word of God. It's not right for you, Herod, to have your brother's wife. He brought a word from God. Herodias, cast off the word of God. And she hated John for being the bearer of it. She wanted him dead. And she found a way to get what she wanted through her daughter. Brethren, I've had to sit watching women confess with tears running down their faces how they've gotten what they wanted through their children. And how they've worked on dad or gotten around what dad said they could or couldn't do. By using the children. This isn't the Holy Spirit. When we hear it said that way, I trust we hear the ugliness of it. For me to get what I want by just manipulating the children a little bit, using them, and I get what I want. How do we break that cycle? Sisters, how do you overcome these things which are a part of our fallen nature? It won't be by just going to a seminar and getting some tapes. It won't be by just reading some books as such. Oh, you can go and spend unbelievable amounts of money in the Christian bookstores finding out how to be the the great wife and the wonderful mother and all these things. And these things can have their place. But, what's the core in all of this? Every one of these women, women resisted the Word of God. What makes the virtuous woman what she is? A woman that feareth the Lord. She 
shall be praised. What breaks that power? It is the glorious grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing the word of the living God instead of casting it off or using it for your own advantages. What's the difference between the virtuous woman and these other women? It says, she will do him good. She will do her husband good all the days of her life. Jezebel wasn't doing Ahab good. Eve didn't do Adam any good when she offered him the fruit. Sarah didn't bring any good to Abraham by suggesting, here, take Hagar. Yeah, I know what God's promised, but, but yeah, I'm too old. You're, you, know, you, you can still maybe have children here. Take, hey, take my handmaid. And, in, and instead of Abraham saying, well, no, sweetheart, we don't need to do that. God's made a promise to us. Let's just believe Him. He doesn't need our help. Let's believe our God together. He said, yes, dear. She uses her tongue. The law of kindness. The law of kindness. It doesn't mean that she's just nice. It doesn't necessarily mean she's a doormat. It means that she uses her tongue in a way that's right. That's edifying. That's encouraging. That builds and doesn't tear down. As we'll see, the Word of God tells us it's the foolish woman that pulls down her own house with her own hands. Sisters, the hope for you is the hope for all people. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you see the remnants of these things in you, bring them to Christ for the cleansing power of His blood. Don't manipulate. Don't use your tongue to destroy. Don't use that exalted place in your husband's heart for your own way. But for the two of you to walk together in the goodness of God's promises. Believing Him. Believing Him together. Well, there are virtuous women and there are exceedingly wicked women. Virtuous women fear the Lord. Oh, sisters, look to the Lord Jesus. Believe His Word. Believe His promises. And use your unique position and your wonderful gifts to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the building of your house, for the good of your children's souls, and for your own eternal good. Amen. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. 
We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.